Welcome to Todd and John's Monday Night Therapy. We like looking at this season, this Nebraska football season, 2022. Uh, we decided that uh, in order to get through this season, everybody's going to need therapy. And Todd and I are the best choices you have to provide it. Uh, we're probably not going to be very good at it, but at least it'll be free. Um, so we should be seeing chat come in here. And I don't know what. Nebraska goes to Northwestern in week zero, and Nebraska comes out of Northwestern in week zero. zero. They go to Ireland, and they come out of week zero with a, a 31 to 28 loss, which is a, a pretty standard score for a North Nebraska Northwestern game. Somebody always ends up one score above the others, and since it's a one score game, we end up on the bottom. Um, I, you know, they're. A lot of people have seen my rant about the game, and uh, I don't really remember hardly what I said because, uh, you know, it just goes out of my head into the world, and then I forget about it. And I think that's one of the best therapy sessions you can do is just uh, getting shit out of your head and out into the world where it can just, I don't know, fly around out there and uh, and disappear from your mind. Just like kind of cleanse, cleanse yourself. Yeah. It yeah. Cleanses. Yeah. So, Todd, just what, what what was the one thing you took away from the tragic loss to Northwestern? Uh, we're not that good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's probably an oversimplification, but uh, I, you know, John, I, I, uh, it was it was frustrating on multiple levels. Um, you know, I I went into the game feeling pretty positive about the team. Um, you know, and I know you did too. You, in fact, uh, thought that it would be, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a butt kicking, um, you know, but certainly, you know, the bottom line is, and, and you know, this is going to be the broken record, at least with the two of us all year. Uh, it comes down to coaching and, you know, they, they were a better coached team. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. for, for my money, he's the best coach out there. You know, um, for the the best buy for your buck, so to speak, uh, he does more with less uh, than any other coach in the country. And uh, you know, he he took it personal after you know the walloping that uh, um, you know Nebraska put on him last year. I mean, you know, that was Nebraska beat him down last year, and they had uh, an entire season to to kind of you know, soak all that up and, and uh, get ready for it. And, you know, once again, and in my mind, there's nothing wrong with projecting confidence, you know, being optimistic and all that type of stuff. But um, here we go again, you know, saying stupid stuff, uh, you know, and, and uh, getting it crammed right back down our throat. So it, the bottom line was this, the best coach team was Northwestern. The most physical team was more Northwestern. That's, the team with yeah. the best offensive and defensive lines was Northwestern. And those things are going to, those are going to win you a lot of football games. And, um, you know, what's Scott's record in, in, uh, first, in his first games? I mean, he hasn't won many of them. So, you know, I guess that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> I don't know. You, you took everything there. You're supposed to leave some holes in your diagnosis for me. Oh, well, <laughs> I take it all back. 
<laughs> no, hey, yeah, I think the biggest thing that bothered me about it wasn't the decision making. It was just the lack that we didn't have. We weren't physical at all. I mean, the missed tackles, they, the defense missed tackles because, uh, and I don't know this firsthand, but the most of the time uh, when defenses miss tackles as badly as Nebraska whipped on their tackles, uh, it's because they're not doing that live practice. They're not scrimmaging. They're not actually doing physical practices. And I mean, we saw that the spring game where they didn't physically practice and, um, you know, I, I, Adam Carricker brought that up on one of his – I didn't watch his pros post game, but I think he did a little – something a little later, and he said what's the one thing he would change is that he would start having them do scrimmages in practice. Because normally what you do is, right, you have a fall camp and you prepare your body for football. And the way you do that is like beating the shit. You start beating each other. That's what you do. And you do scrimmages and you do live practices and pads because you're ready, getting ready for the physicality of the game. Because you can't fake tackle people and get ready to tackle people in real. Uh, and he basically, Carriker said, you know, if I was going to change one thing, I'd start doing scrimmages now because they're not physical. And, and they're, they're, we play in the big freaking 10. Yeah. You can't play football in the big 10 and, uh, you know, not not be physical. So it's a, uh, it, exactly know. right. And one of our one of our listeners, you know, mentioned that a lot of the tackling woes were because we were out of position. Well, that's true. We were out of position. Um, there was a lot of arm tackling, um, just poor tackling overall. And you know, gee, many Christmas. You know, last year it was a defense that that uh, you know put us in situations where we could, you know, win. And uh, this year, I mean, they, the defense really laid an egg here in, in uh, the first game. So, um, you know, we started out on a negative note, but I think, uh, you know, there are a couple of positives, or at least, you know, John, what did you take away that at least gives you some kind of hope that in the next few of weeks, you know, that, <laughs> that Nebraska may – may have some success was there or maybe not even that is there anything that you saw that was an improvement upon last year or something that you thought hey you know that wasn't so bad i thought casey thompson was a good quarterback i i thought i thought he played well i thought they i mean he made some errant throws you know the end of the game interception who was it uh wyatt lure that was too wyatt lure, anyway yeah. He, 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 I thought he was accurate. I thought he made good plays. The one fantastic scramble for 12 seconds and throw the ball down the field was really good. I mean, it was a really fantastic play. Uh, I thought he made plays that, you know, we've seen Adrian Martinez now make over the years and, and scream and yell about. I think the play went down in the second half, but I think everybody started to lose their, uh, you know, their confidence. They started to lose their faith in each other. And I, yeah, just so you guys know that are watching this, it, the way I look at football and the way I look at, um, well, what's going on on the field, I pay a lot more attention to the psychological factors of what's the game. And I know that requires reading people's minds. And I can do that because I've been dead. And uh, it's, it's amazing I, I can't hear minds because there's too many and it's just clattered. But I can read people's minds when they're on the football field. And they were, they were humming really high at the beginning, all one chorus going together. And then later in the game, in the third quarter particularly, it became a fractured chorus. 
of sounds that were not in the same frequency. What a cultural <laughs> analogy, John. That is just amazing. I love that. Yeah. I, you know what I think will save this team, Todd? Crystals. Crystals? Energy crystals. <laughs> Wait, we may be at that point. <laughs> well, There's nothing else left. But I thought, I thought Casey Thompson, I, I liked him as a quarterback. I thought he probably well. I thought some of the, uh, you know, Anthony Grant, uh, I thought he did decently. I mean, on Wednesday night, you guys, we're going to have Greg Haas and I are going to go over the technical aspects of what Haas saw because Haas is way ahead of us all technically. I'm way ahead of everybody bullshit-wise, and Todd's like in a close second because we're old. You have to do this. But um, I don't know. What do you see that you liked? I guess the – go ahead. Well, well hey, the punter was outstanding. I mean, you know, that's the best punting that Nebraska's had in a long time. And, you know, he certainly, you know, he quite a few times he stuck the ball inside the 20-yard line. I mean, you know, and contrary to what some people may believe, special teams were okay except for the boneheaded call <laughs> of the onside kick that was called by the head coach to, I suppose, inject himself into the game. I don't know. Um, I still don't understand why that it's, – it's such a low percentage uh, part of the game. And, um, but you take that away, and um, it's, it's – uh, the special teams did not, did not perform too bad. Uh, you know, there are a few people that were complaining. You know, there were a couple of times maybe that we should have at least attempted to run back a punt – um, you know, and when you have uh, Trey Palmer, who's supposedly, uh, you know, a really good punt returner, when he didn't have a chance to show what he can do, okay, you know, I can accept that. But you know, at least, with the exception of the onside kick, you know, you got and you got to look away from the kid who missed that long field goal. You know, that's 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 not that's not a special teams breakdown, and that's not a breakdown on behalf of the kicker. But no, um, I, I find that interesting, you know, coming from one of our listeners that they're praising Frost for his gutsy call. Um, I suppose that's a way to spin it. You know, if, if, you know, of course, Sports Nightly, they all work for the university. They all work for the yeah. athletic department. They got to put some kind of a spin on it. Um, I would venture to say that the vast majority of, um, of pundits would say that that was a stupid, stupid call. Um, one of our listener, listeners here tonight said only one penalty was a positive. Yeah, that's a that's a positive compared to what we've seen in other years. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's it's um, there was some the same guy. Stuff. You're supposed to move it around, Todd. Well, I'm supposed to. You see, I'm new at this. Yeah. I'm new at this. It, well, I'm kind of you know, it's kind of new to me, too. Uh, the thing is, is Todd, I don't think, has access to the admin screen, and I'm the one that has to put up the little uh, the little, uh, the icon stuff. I, Sports Nightly, i got to feel sorry for those guys at the athletic department to a certain extent. <laughs> I mean, they do. They, the job of the athletic department is just to deliver saccharin to the people. And right now, all you really have coming out of the football program is, is not saccharin. So... Those guys are in a tough position, you know. Greg Sharp's a really good guy, and it, it's uh, yeah, it's that's got to be tough. Uh, 
you know, you notice the well, I have uh, that there are almost no but no Husker players on Twitter saying anything, you know. And again, it's like they're a big family, and you know, yeah. I can talk shit about my family, but you don't get to, you know. And th- I think that that's the thing is they're not gonna you're not gonna see Jason Peter. Uh, coming on Twitter, probably Adam Carricker saying really nasty things about the program right now, because that's just not what they do. And I, they're in a tough position. The other people who are in a tough position is Nebraska's media. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> I saw a comment earlier on some social media, probably Facebook from a guy who said the Nebraska media needs to do a better job of managing expectations. You know, the idea is that all they do is feed people hype. You know, the problem is this. They don't get to see practices, okay? They got very limited access to anything. And basically, when they're writing stories and they're doing stuff, they're going off what the coaches are telling them because that they have jobs to do, and they have to do those jobs. When the coach comes out and says, yeah, we're going to be real physical this year, I mean, they can't just make shit up because they're actual journalists and not like me that I'm only a journalist when – when it's convenient. <laughs> All right. Should we go through some of these other people's? Well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we got living in Omaha poses a question. What do you think? What are the chances we lose to North Dakota or Georgia, Georgia Southern? Um, I, I think we've learned <laughs> in the last four years that there are no guaranteed wins in our schedule. I mean, as much as we would like to think, that our boys should just be able to show up and and whip both of those teams. I, I, unfortunately, I, I can't say that. Do I think that we're going to win both the games? I do. I absolutely believe that we will win both of those games. Uh, but uh. <laughs> well, I thought we'd beat the shit out of Northwestern too, so that didn't happen. I should have known better. But the Kool Aid hit me all at once right before the game. You know, that's, I told, I'd repeatedly said, I'm going to wait on this and leave it to the last moment that I did. And I went down to the lake walking around that morning. And, uh, you know, I did a video short on YouTube. I'm still trying to learn how to use YouTube. And uh, uh, I, I predicted 38 to 10. That didn't live well, did it? All right, I just clicked on something. Northwestern's O-line is legit. Left tackle 77 is the best player the Huskers will see our year. Just saying, uh, you know, that, I, that remains to be seen. I really think it does. I, I'm not dissing on the Northwestern guys, but uh, Nebraska, they ran over it. They ran over a Nebraska team that wasn't prepared to be physical at all. And it, it, honestly, I, I cried during this game tight. I did. Uh, I did that short reaction video and and I honestly, I got, I got extremely fatigued because of my brain injury. I got very stressed and they ran the ball 18 straight fucking times at the end of the game. 18. That's the kind of shit Nebraska is supposed to do to people. And it really upset me a lot. And I thought, you know, I, I really, honestly, I thought, how does, you know, how does a, Adam Taylor feel or Aaron Taylor field watching this, you know, how do those guys that we loved as linemen for play for Nebraska on good teams? How did Matt Slauson feel about watching this? Cause they just, they didn't really disguise anything. They just, uh, I think they ran zones and, and a couple counters and uh, 
it was terrible. I mean, it was heartbreaking because you if Northwestern can do that to us, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, you know, uh, Georgia Southern, North Dakota, who fucking knows? I think you just started out the year like he did last year and, and broke his team with his dumb freaking decision making. Well, uh, I do think I, th I do think that number 77 is is an incredibly good player. You know, is he going to be the best? You know, you mentioned that's to be seen, but uh, certainly he looked uh, he looked very, very good. Um, you know, and I, with, with Cornhusker corner here, Ty Robinson, uh, he did not play well. Um, you know, uh, the, I was told, you know, listening, I guess I wasn't told, but I was listening to some talk this afternoon. They, you know, some people thought that the feist kid played pretty good, uh, all things considered Stefan Wynn, um, you know, he seemed to be played pretty good. Um, where was, where was the pass rush? You know, where was the. There, it seemed like there was a little bit of pressure early on, but but what happened to that pass rush? And, uh, you know, again, you're right. Uh, we, we read about improved pass rush. We heard about improved pass rush, but it, it certainly didn't show up. Uh, not a sack. You know, what ticks me off the most about that is that now I live just a few blocks from a McDonald's. And when Nebraska gets a sack, you get – two Big Macs for the price of one. And I was not able to get my two Big Mac meal today because there was not a sack in the game. I'm going to propose, to, I'm going to ask you a difficult question, Todd. Yeah. And it's going to trail off of Matt Faust asking, at what point did we jump off the wagon? Uh, you remember, in, what was it, in 2007 when we had all the booing? You remember that? Uh, you know, people booed. And uh, then people were angry about booing. And then uh, people were like, well, we're not booing the players. We're booing the coaches. And, and then there was that whole dichotomy of, uh, well, if you boo, you're booing the players and they can't tell the difference. And it, okay, Todd, at what point do we jump off the bandwagon? I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I'm a Nebraska fan. I'm going to cheer them on no matter what. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people that listen to our podcast and, and, and hear some of the things that I say, um, you know, I'm not a Scott Frost fan. I, 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 I was not real high on him when they hired him. Uh, contrary to what some people might think, he would not have been my pick. I'm, I'm not a fan of Scott Frost. I don't think he's the right guy for the job. That being said, you know, my negativism is directed towards him as a head coach. And I'm frustrated by that. Do I hope that our team wins football games? Absolutely. You know, only assholes cheer against their team, you know, cheer their team to lose so you can get rid of somebody or just to show someone or whatever it might be. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I'm with these guys through thick and thin. Now, <laughs> is there going to come a time when I'll go to a wedding on Saturday uh, rather than watch a football game. Well, if they don't start playing better, uh, and if I have a wedding to go to on Saturday and there's three boos at the wedding, you know, that, that might be a tough choice. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon. You know, I've got this too. Can you be – is it possible, John, for you to be a Michigan fan? Is that, is that even humanly possible? Is that something that you 
Jeez, come on, you know, John. M M Go Bosky says, guys, for get Nebraska and come be Michigan fans this year. Uh, you know, I I when I graduated from high school, I had my ACT score sent to three schools: is Notre Dame, Nebraska, and Michigan. You know, because of the uh, because of the winged helmets. That's all. You know, when I was a kid, that's what you saw. North Michigan, Ohio State on TV every year. You know, back in the dark ages when we had like two channels. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Nebraska, Oklahoma is on the TV, and Michigan, Ohio State was on TV uh, every year. So, can I be a Michigan fan? Uh, I can be a Michigan fan if they're playing Iowa. Then sons of bitches, yeah, they go blue. Well, <laughs> so, John, if you, you know, when you that's a pretty good question here. So, if you could not be a Nebraska fan, and if you had to be a fan of another school in the Big Ten Conference. You know, somebody puts a gun to your head and says, John, pick a team. Who are you going to cheer on? Who are you going to pick? I know. Hey. Oh, it'd have to be Minnesota because, you know, I've lived here for years and I know everything about them. I know people in their athletic department. And now, because you said that question, I'm going to get shit from people that are like, he's a closet Gophers fan. You know, I can be a Gophers fan for a lot of the year, but not when they're fucking playing us because I get so much shit from people when we lose to Minnesota. Uh, I do. I got I got a text from a customer today, and what did he say? Uh, he it was real innocent. How was the game? He's a season ticket holder for Minnesota, and I'm like, you son of a bitch, uh, you know. And he knows what he's doing, and it's it, that part is uh, not very fun. Otherwise, I choose Wisconsin, and the reason why I choose Wisconsin is because I've done a lot of work in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is probably the happiest state in the nation. And the reason they are is because every bar is a restaurant and every restaurant's a bar and they have a lot of both. And, uh, you know, you just, it, they just, uh, they know how to live there. They're just like, yeah, man. All right, let's drink mom. And then yeah. that that's what they do. Um, oh my God. Here's one, Todd. <clears throat> no. <laughs> Stephen picks. Stephen picks says, would it make more sense to Nebraska rejoin the big 12? No, we have shit tons of money. We have 22 sports, not just football. And I realize that this constantly comes up. Listen, we do not miss the Big 12. I, I kind of miss going to Iowa State sometimes or watching us play some of the old Big 8 teams. But uh, really what we miss is winning, okay? That's what we miss. Yeah. And if we can yeah. get our shit together and start winning, we'd all be – we'd be like, yeah, the Big Ten's the greatest freaking thing ever. Uh well I miss some of those old big – I miss the big eight. I miss the big eight. I, 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 I do not miss dealing with those Texas schools at all. Have they succeeded yet? Has Texas left the union? I, I haven't paid attention recently. No, they have not. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, here's, here, here's this one. Johnny MacArthur asks, why are we so bad on both lines? <sighs> <laughs> That's a big sigh. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I. They used to be such a strength, and um, you know, I, I'm not an expert in this, but I, I do remember, you know, back in the day when uh, Scott Frost was hired. Uh, you know, pretty quickly he said that he was going to bring his entire staff, or try to bring his entire staff from UCF, and. You know, at the point at that point in time, and 
you know, when a lot of young coaches become head coaches, I think one of the two most important decisions that they make is who's going to coach their offensive line and who's going to coach their defensive line. And whether or not one of those is a coordinator or not, you know, really doesn't make a difference to me. But if a young head coach wants, in my opinion, wants to put the right people in the right spot, you find old codgers that have been there, done it, seen it. You get some of those old crusty sons of bitches, you know, that do it old school and you put them as your offensive and defensive line coaches. And then you, you can get these other young bucks out there that have a lot of energy and a lot of creativity and that kind of stuff. But quite honestly, when it gets down into the trenches, it's toughness, toughness, toughness. Um, both positions have developed some new techniques over the years because of changes in the rules and stuff. But it still comes down who are the tough guys who are mentally strong, um, you know, physical, those kinds of people. So we just don't have, you know, we don't have the Jimmies and Joes in there right now, or the Jimmies and Joes are not being coached so that they can excel. Um, but I, I've never claimed, I'm not an expert on offensive or defensive line play. I can't break it down any more than that. Yeah, I think it goes back to the lack of physicality and practices and stuff like that. Haas, uh, we have discussed this game in our Slack room. Haas uh, made the comment, as a teaser for Wednesday night, uh, Haas made the comment that uh, Northwestern figured out our slide protection and our offensive line was not prepared to diagnose or understand the fronts that Northwestern was throwing against us. And that really comes down to being outcoached on the offensive and defensive lines. But uh, you, you know what's funny is uh, my guy Bryce Benhart graded out the at the top of the offensive line. And yeah. I don't Ted, know if that's Teddy because, had a rough game. Teddy Petraska had he a He did. Okay. Living in Omaha, David Matney says, what does Scott Frost hope to accomplish by throwing his staff under the bus in post-game press conference? He feels better. You want to take this? Yeah, he feels better. <laughs> he feels better himself. Um, there's nothing to gain there. Um, we don't, you know, we're not down there. We, we don't know what the dynamics are down on the field. Um, but, you know, I did not like what he said after the game. We got to show more creativity on offense. Um, I, I don't know what he's alluding to, but I don't see how any other way to take that statement other than he's he's taken he, he's he's expressing some frustration with Whipple now um, offensively you know it'd been great if Vokalek would have been healthy the whole game um, you know because it seemed like uh, Casey Thompson and, and, and Vokalek you know had a good thing going um, why did we not attack the edge with the running game you know last year uh, we put up a lot of yards you know, running at the edge and running outside. Why, why didn't we do that? Um, we had all these four-star recruits. We brought in, you know, these uh, at, at, at wide receiver. We have, you know, supposedly that's a strength of the team. Um, why late in the game uh, weren't those guys being utilized? Um, you know, the one positive about the offensive line, um, the one positive about the offensive line is there was a pretty good pocket 
most of the game. You know, Casey Thompson, I don't know what happened in the third and fourth quarter, whether he was rattled a little bit. You know, he was throwing the ball consistently behind his receivers. The receivers are getting their hands on the ball, but it's hard to catch the ball when you're twisting around. Um, I don't know, but Scott Frost continues to be the – well, you know, this. you and I have talked about this, John. On, on Yeah, he, on he's the, terrible. Yeah, Chris, Chris Testing says Scott Frost continues to be the worst coach at a microphone. And he really – we had uh, an argument in our Slack room, and I, we examined what Frost said about being creative. And, and some of our guys were like, uh, people are attacking every word he says. And, and that's kind of right, that yeah, people are diagnosing everything he says. And I think that when you realize – I just don't think he knows what to say. So he just says dumb stuff. And the problem that uh, that I have is that it, it belies his thought process that this still isn't my fault. I'm still not accountable for everything. And that that's really a big problem. You know, it is his program. It's been his program now for five years. And I get, still get the idea that he just doesn't – that's never – it's like somebody else is supposed to do stuff that are take over part of it for him and all, do all that. And he's like, oh – well, they did that. I didn't do that. When I mean, good God, you know, when you're a project manager and the fucking project is falling apart, it's your ass. You make all the excuses in the world. It's still you. They put you in charge for a reason. And you then and they I, paid you the money for the reason. You and I have said it. You know, we, we believe that Scott Frost needs to have a spokesperson. And, you know, uh, Kaylee McElhaney, uh, Jen Saki, they're both, uh, I think they're both out of work right now. And, um, you know, uh, is it Kaylee? Did I say that right? Mac, Mac and any, um, you know, I recruit one of those. I mean, those gals can spin anything. Um, they'd be good. You know. MK says, Todd, your background looks like Herbie and Little Red are mourning our season like someone mourning the death of a pet. You know, wow. <laughs> you know what? it's not even week one, Todd. It's not well, even week one. I never thought about that. I, I, you know, when I, I'm new at this on this, on this software, so I will try to find a better background. But, you know, when I looked at that, I kind of thought it's Herbie putting his arm around little red and saying, little red, one day you can be out there playing with the big boys. You know, isn't, isn't that the, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I think your background seems appropriate. <sighs> so, I, Jason Jason Reeves says says will will Scott Frost end up as a Nick Saban rehabilitation project? Um, that'll be interesting to see if in fact it does happen because you know Nick Saban you know his his home for for wayward coaches down there in Alabama. If if Scott Frost gets let go, Scott Frost should just he's got a lot of money in the bank. Stay stay away from coaching for a year or two. Spend a little time picking the brains of people that have been successful, like some coaches out of the game. And then if he wants to go to rehab with Nick, go to rehab with Nick. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. You know, one of the things that I was disappointed in is Logan Smothers. You, how were you disappointed one, in one Logan? Play. One play. How did they do this? I mean, they could have put the option in and ran a package for a, a series. They ran him one play. What did he get? Nine yards? Seven yards plus, they, plus uh, the face mask. Yeah. And, they, and then they took him out. And I thought, 
okay, they're going to run this series with Logan Smothers. They're going to run some option. This will be fun because I'm sure Northwestern is like, okay, this is a little bit of a wrinkle. Then he goes out after one fucking play. I don't, so do you, that makes no sense to me. Do you suppose that's where the criticism of lacking creativity comment came from? You know, was it, was it Scott Frost that wanted Logan Smothers out there for a series? Whipple ran him out there for one play and then pulled him back. You know, who knows? That might have been what the reference was. You know, Logan's – he a did weapon. Some, well, he's, he's a weapon, and they should use him if they can. If they can find a way to use him, they should. All right. Oh, hey, here's a comment. Huracana Rave says, whoever backs Frost these days is putting him above the program. You know, there's a lot that can be said about that. And, John, you and I are on the record. We both believe that he should have been let go last year. And I think both of us, and I'm, I guess I am speaking for you, we both did understand the financial implications for that. And so you just kind of live with the idea that you – you know, negotiate with him and you buy down his contract a little bit and, and make it a little bit more financially feasible. But, you know, here's here's the thing. I said this a while back. Um, you know, if they would have canned him, if if they if they would have taken off and left him in Dublin and uh, canned him after this game, you know, uh, that that would have satisfied me, <laughs> would have satisfied John, would have satisfied a lot of people. Um, but we're not the ones calling the shots. And uh, I think the reality is that they're going to give him an opportunity to win a few football games. I still think there's two ways, two measuring sticks to look at this. They're going to have to win five games before they lose five games. If they lose five games before they win five games, that is not going to end up with a, a, a good season. That's going to be, uh, you know, end up with a losing record or six and six at best. The other way to look at it is if we're three and three, I think that that spells doom for Scott Frost. Um, you know, this team should win against North Dakota. This team should win against Georgia Southern. Oklahoma. Well, you know what? If they get their act together, they could beat Oklahoma. And so then what does that mean? You know, where are we at in three weeks? How are we feeling three weeks from now if Nebraska beats Oklahoma and they're three and one at that point? Oh. Is 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 all forgiven? You know, has has Scott Frost learned from all of his mistakes? Um I, I think that they didn't fire Scott Frost last year because some big booster somewhere said uh, number one wouldn't pay for the payout and said, uh, I won't give you money because if you fire Scott Frost, because he's Scott Frost. Um, I, that's got to be the reason for, you know, all of this stuff. Why is he still around even now? Because some boat booster somewhere had millions of dollars and said so. You know, I guess this guy probably likes being friends with Scott and thinks that it's a thing that he's the friends with one of the worst fucking coaches in Nebraska football history. That's what I don't get about this. Well, the guy is now he, that's the it's horrible for him. I mean, let's take Scott Frost's perspective on this. 
He came to Nebraska and he thought, okay, I'm going to be successful here. And now he literally is one of the worst. I mean, yeah. Bill Jennings is kind of a measuring stick, right? Bill Jennings had a way better conference record than Frost. And if you go back to the list of Nebraska football coaches in history, uh, he's better than guys that coached in World War II uh, that, you know, coached for a year and all they had was four Fs. Uh, to play football because everybody else went off to war. So he's better than guys that were playing with four Fs as football players. Uh, he might be better than one of the guys early, like in 1896. I don't remember. But he it, now he will be remembered at this point, unless some freaking miracle happens, for being the worst coach in Nebraska history. That's terrible. Yeah. And he's young, Todd. He's a young guy. Sure he is. And, you know, but uh, I'm not – I've torn down Scott Frost to the point where I'm, <laughs> where I'm sick and tired of it. I, I, the, the, the reality is, is that he can't get out of his own way and he continues to make uh, stupid mistakes, stupid decisions. And, and he does not, he has, uh, um, he, he does not, how do I want to say, he's not a leader and, and he, he, he cannot coach this team uh, to play a disciplined, uh, smart game of football. And you're going to have to have that uh, to win. And, and I don't know. It's one of the things that I heard today, and I've heard it mentioned a few times, you know, it's only one game. It's only one game. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. You know, we've given him four flipping years four years and um you know maybe maybe this all turns around maybe this season nebraska ends up eight and four uh, i have my doubts i'd be happy yeah. as hell if that happened um but matt faust says let's have some fun who would you guys want for the next head coach you know what matt uh that it's too early for that we'll worry about that you know, I got that comments. The YouTube video I did apparently is over 50,000 views where I uh, was pretty ranty in my bathroom. But uh, I, I thought, you know, people had commented a lot on the YouTube video about who's going to be the next coach. And I just thought, you know, we have time for that to happen. And we still have to generate content. I mean, to be fair that the guys – who are arguing maybe the season will show something. They do have a point. I don't believe it, but, you know, time will tell what we're going to do. Uh, <sighs> well, Les Torres apparently thinks that you and I are taking over. Huh. Wow. Les yeah. says, how awesome. Looks like we have our future coaches. Well, Don and Todd, seems like you have all the answers. Why are you on a podcast? You probably the same clowns that ran Solich out of town. Garbage. Two things. My name's been chased at dawn. Two things. Number one, I didn't chase Solich out of town. <laughs> I wasn't one of them that wanted Frank Solich run out of town. And number two, how <laughs> how dare he call you Don? <laughs> I've been told I resemble Don Knotts in my life. Well, you kind of do. Hey, how are we on a podcast? Because uh, we're full of shit. And we're better for them. It's a go. whole 
creative shit than a lot of other people have. And for some reason, people enjoy our foliage shittedness. And, and, and really believe it or not, the athletic department does not come to us asking us any questions or for any advice. <laughs> Hard to believe. That, that is true. Hard that to believe. True. Uh, was that was that guy? Uh, I mean, was he angry because I, I think he's know. just an angry person. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Solich made it. Solich was a great coach. Greg Munn says Solich was a great coach. You know, Solich was doomed because he wasn't Tom Osborne. I mean, the if guy, you've ever, the, you know, Todd, you've probably spoken at a lot of conferences in your life, right? You betcha. Yeah, you never want to go to a conference and, and suddenly somebody goes, you're in the same room after the most famous guy in this entire convention or whatever the conference is. Because you walk in there and you go, nobody's going to want to listen to me. And that was Frank Solich. It didn't matter what he was going to do. At some point he was yeah. going to fail. So, And then he had a, a fucking idiot for a megalomaniac for an athletic director. There you and go. there we are. And then we had another idiot athletic director fire Bo Pelini. Uh, I mean, we, we've treaded over this ground a lot. Bo Pelini probably wore himself out being at Nebraska. And, and you're kind of wondering if Scott Frost is approaching that area. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, please, could you please just uh, fire me now? Could you please? I, you know, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, I, you, know, you know what I do wonder, Todd? What do you wonder? What it was like to go to Northwestern or play Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, and then have to fly back home. I mean, it's not like he could all go, oh, no, no, my mom's taking me home after the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like he could go, I got a, I got a different, I'm going to go to London first. You, you know, know, it just, that had to be the most unbelievably I'm, depressing ride uh, in the air. Look, there's well, the ocean. You know, I, I hope, I hope that that Aer Lingus jet that they flew on, that over half of the plane was first class. Because if they had economy or business class like I flew in a few weeks ago or last week, those big old 275, 300-pounders, it's going to take them three days before they can stand straight after being cramped up in those seats. You know, that's something I've often wondered about, and I think it's, you know, just Todd's meanderings. You know, those guys take a hell of a lot of punishment over the course of a football game, and when they have to get – on an airplane and then sit on an air conditioned airplane, you know, let's not even talk Ireland, just flying home from Penn state and they're all cramped up and their bodies have been beaten to hell. And then they have to walk off of that damn airplane. I mean, I know they're young guys, but Holy moly. Talk about uncomfortable. Chase Whitehall asked John, what will it take for you to your perspective to change about Scott Frost? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I just I think that is past. I, I really don't see a way. I realize that you can make the argument that perhaps something will happen this season. And uh, but I, I don't see it. I mean, I didn't see it that coming into this year. I didn't see it at the end of the last year. I don't see there's nothing changing. Nothing changed from last. Year. Nothing has changed since he's been here, really, except who we're blaming for stuff. And we spent the first two, three years blaming Mike Riley, and a lot of people still do. And for all the people that say it takes years to build a program, bullshit. It doesn't. It might take three. 
which is why most coaches are measured on their third year, unless they're completely fucked up the first two. But in the third year, you should have a team together that can at least win games and not lose to Northwestern. I mean, yeah, I get it. Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. We've almost beat none of those teams none of the time. And it doesn't take a coach five years to get his shit together to beat those teams. You know, was it Illinois beat knocked off number seven Penn state last year? Why? Because Brett Bellum is going to put a team together. It may not be the greatest team ever because he has to do it at Illinois a place not known for football, but he's going to win some games like that. And in four years and one game into five, we don't have one fucking signature win. And if you we know, went through the list of wins that Scott Frost has had, has he even beaten one team with a winning record? I don't know the answer to that. Off, I don't know the answer to that either, but I'll tell you what his best win was. His best win was against Michigan State at home in the snowstorm when we'd been destroying the defense. You know, everybody was just chewing up Chenander. He's over his head. He doesn't know what to do. You know, he's, he's a horrible defensive coach. You know, the best win we had was that game where we beat Michigan State at home in the snow. You know, that's Big Ten football. We won a Big Ten football game on that day, and that's the best win that Scott Frost has had, in in my opinion. Uh, Jared Smith asks Onyx question, what recruit from the Sunbelt States wants to go to Nebraska? Well, you know, we were 3-9 and nine last year. And we still picked up players out of the transfer portal that were really some of the better players available. Uh, You know, Casey Thompson had a list of programs he could have gone to. Trey Palmer, Anthony Grant probably had a list of places he could have gone. I don't – I think that Nebraska, and I've said this (laughs) – I said that today in a video I was editing but didn't publish. (laughs) i got to be careful what I say. Okay, here's the thing about Nebraska. Number one, we have money. And that's, that's actually important because uh, we have a well-run athletic department. And I, I'm not talking – everybody always talks about facilities, but I think Nebraska, when it comes to an athletic department, over the years, we have been one of the best well-run athletic departments in the nation. And I say that from this. Because coordination is part of SB Nation, I communicate with a lot of other guys that run websites for other schools. And we, we don't talk as much now as we used to, but we used to talk a lot about our athletic departments and what they were doing and how they worked and stuff like that. And I can tell you from that, Nebraska's athletic department was extremely well run. And I probably still is. You know, I think they're going some issues they got to clean up because Bill Moose didn't do that good a job. But they're, they're very good. And that is important. It's important to moms when they come in and they go, you know what, my son probably isn't going to make a shit ton of nil money, but I want him to get a degree. Oh, what do we have? We had academic retutoring out the ass. I mean, they do that well. You know, you've seen Omar Manning and who was it? Who was it? Bryce Matthews talk about the mental health support that Nebraska yeah. provided yeah. to him where they were going there. Those things do matter to people. They matter to families when they're going to go send their kids to the middle of nowhere that's only known for cornfields. So, I, you know, people talk about – okay, the other biggest factor we have is still our fan base. People want – the players – if I was a player 
would all, I, I would want to go play in front of a large crowd and we still have large crowds as, you know, we'll see next week, but you know, that's still a thing. We've sold out every game since 62, since I've done alive. And that is a thing. I realize we beat ourselves up about it's fake and all this shit, but it's a, it's a thing that nobody else has. So I think those are all reasons. And then you get a good coaching staff that can sell themselves on, on coming to Nebraska and playing Nebraska football. Um, I, I, we're, I think we'll be fine there. People do not realize that we have recruited the out recruited the big 10 West for the last decade. Yeah. And the reason they don't realize that is because we have not developed a single well, we have Cam Jurgens got a job, but we have been very poor at player development uh, through what two coaching staffs, three coaching staffs, maybe. But we have we've out recruited the Big Ten West, and that's what you want to do. Those are the people you need to beat. Okay, I talked a long time. Well, Some you know, John, <laughs> um, we've still got a lot of good questions coming in here, but um, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about, we don't want podcasts to droll on and on and on. Oh, that's um, true. You know, I, I, we, we, we've called this program Monday Therapy. Um, and um, I think the best therapy for Nebraska football fans right now is watch the volleyball team. Um, you know, they didn't play as sharp as they will later on in the season. But, uh, you know, there is something to cheer about. You know, there's a question that just came in here. Maybe we ought to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up uh, from Chase uh, Weedle, Wydell, I should have my glasses on. Um, John, what comparisons can you make between Trev Alberts and Bill Moose, both positives and negatives? Well, Bill Moose was older. <laughs> I think what you're seeing, what we, you know, when Bill Moose showed up, I think, uh, you know, he was a nice guy. I met him on the field once and I said, you know, my name's John Johnson. I'm coordination. I went coordination. I'm a really obnoxious person. I abuse everybody else in the big 10. So you don't have to. And he looked at me, he shook my hand. And he said, uh, well, somebody needs to do it. Thank God it's you. And uh, he was a really nice guy. And I think that's kind of, it's sounding like that's kind of where it ended. But I, I think the problems is when you look at the athletic department that Trev Alberts took over was, uh, the buyouts for uh, Fred Hoiberg and Scott Frost, there were no performance parameters, and the buyouts were enormous. I mean, you shouldn't have to pay a basketball coach in Nebraska an $18 million buyout to be fired. It's just dumb. And the thing about that is, is if you can take uh, that bad business decision and translate it to the rest of the athletic department – uh, there's probably a lot of other bad business decisions in there too, because a lot of ADs are really, really terrible at being businessmen. <laughs> Gary Barta, <coughs> uh, you know, they're just terrible with money. They're, they're good at glad handing, but they're terrible at uh, doing any kind of business and understanding finances. And I think that's probably the difference between Trev Alberts and Bill Moose is that Trev Alberts is going to understand the finances that come into it, maybe too much because uh, we all want, well, we don't all want, but it'd be nice to have Scott Frost fired just right now, but he's well, going to save that $7 million by waiting until wait until October. I think, I think the biggest difference okay. between, I'm not a Trev Alberts fan. People know that, but I think the biggest difference between the two is Trev Alberts has invested in the university of Nebraska. Trev Alberts 
you know, views himself. He he sees himself as um, the model, uh, the face of the department, and he takes a vested interest in all aspects of the athletic department. Bill Moose rarely, rarely went to any other games other than the football games. Bill Moose spent a lot of time outside of Lincoln, back on the ranch and that type of thing. Bill Moose, you know, saw this as his career ending job. And, uh, you know, he, he brought in, you know, at the time, what were the, the big name coaches, uh, you know, got them, you know, uh, on the payroll at Nebraska. Um, but, you know, Bill Moose was one of those pat you on the back, have a drink with you, good old boys. Uh, Trev Albert certainly comes across as more of a business-like person, um, you know, and uh, uh, I, I, think, I think Trev Alberts welcomes um, – welcomes the accountability, if, if you will. I'm going to, I will end with this. Well, we're at 52 minutes. We said an hour. Now, whatever. You know what? We're going to end with this last question. I'll do it, says, it comes down to moon money. Can the Nebraska boosters keep up? Okay. I, I want to explain to you my vision for where we're at and why this is a dangerous time for Nebraska football. Uh, I think with the expansion and the changes and the contracts and the just sheer amount of shit tons of money coming into college football, it's it's kind of looking like in three, four, five years, six years, college football is going to completely change and it's going to become like a mini NFL. I don't know how that works when you're attached to university, but apparently nobody cares anymore. So it's going to become like a mini NFL, all right? And that means you really have need to have your shit together. And that means that not only – when you have an organization, right, you have a university chancellor, whatever you want to call CEO, doesn't matter, uh, right, way up here. And he needs to be a, a, on board with what you're doing. And then that filters down to the athletic department. And then out here in that organizational chart is going to be the nil people, the people that are actually going to provide your money for you to buy players because that's really where we're going. And Ryan Day in this offseason gave us the answer for what he thought that figure was. And it was $13 million a year if you want to have a championship team. And I, I last I check, I think Nebraska, I, certainly my state of mind is I, I'd like us to win championships. So how do you stay ahead of all of this? You have to have an organizational structure that is very well, it's well run. People are all working. People all have the same vision. And it has to be together. And that means that you can't have splinter groups running their own shit on the side. You know, and that's that's kind of dangerous right now for Nebraska is we have what looks like a head coach who's running a dysfunctional, uh, you know, he, I just would call him dysfunctional. His whole coaching staff, everything they're doing looks dysfunctional as hell to me. But it all has to align to go into this next thing to be successful. So I mentioned the NFL. So what about the NFL? Okay, Detroit, right? Detroit has been terrible for years. They're perennial terribleness. And, you know, Matt Stafford left there and then he wins a Super Bowl. Well, why is Detroit terrible? Because their ownership's terrible. Why are the Cleveland Browns a continual mess year after year after year? Because the people that run that are idiots. Why is the Dallas Cowboys years ago, everybody loved, okay, I'm old. Todd's old. Everybody loved Tom Landry. Okay. People liked Troy Aikman when he played for the Cowboys. Now you look at the Cowboys and they're a complete fucking mess. 
And I, I'm not a Cowboys fan, so I'm like, ah, ha, ha. but why? Because Jerry Jones is a moron. The ownership and the people who run the organization are the ones screwing it up. And if you don't have those people right, none of the rest of it is going to work properly. So that's where we're kind of entering a dangerous period for college football in general, but Nebraska football, I think, particular. Right now, Nebraska is one of the biggest brands in college football. And it's one of the biggest brands because we have a fan base. All right. I write books. Yeah, I wrote a memoir about me being dead and recovering. I wrote another book for heart attack survivors and what the what I use to recover. And, and if I didn't, I self-published. I didn't go to a publisher, but I know if I did, the publisher, or the agent would look at me and say, "What were you bringing to the table?" And I would say, "Well, I have all these followers and people that already read my stuff." And they would go, "Well, that's a big bonus." Well, Nebraska comes to the table. We bring all of our fans. And it's a huge fan base. And if you went to BTN and said, what's the huge watches this stuff? How do we make our money? They would go, well, Nebraska fans will watch any volleyball team, <laughs> any <laughs> volleyball game that has a Nebraska logo on it ever. They probably watch women's basketball before anybody else too. And then they probably watch wrestling. And then they're going to, if we had a hockey team, they'd probably watch that. We should give them 83 sports. And then we could just have a Nebraska against everybody else in the Big Ten and probably make the majority of their money off Nebraska. And that's why we're a brand and we can bring somebody money because we bring eyes. And even when we suck, the entire fucking nation talks about us like they are right now. That's my end of the show rant, Todd. I'm all worn out now. Yeah, I know. You're looking tired. Well, we probably ought to call quits to this because, you know, we're old and Getting close to my bedtime, John. <laughs> it is. Wait, wait, what, what, what am I supposed to do at the end of this? Well, I think uh, you're supposed to say. Says, somebody has a corn cob up their ass. Well, that's one well, way to do a show. It's not this one. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I am disappointed in one thing, Todd. Yeah. Nobody asked us for dating advice. Because I can guarantee you, if they did, I could give the shittiest dating advice you'd ever heard. <laughs> it would be terrible, but it'd probably work. Well, Maybe we should try. We're here. Week. We're here to to help everyone. And so, if you do have questions, man, we appreciate everybody tonight throwing questions at us and and uh, you know joining in here. This was actually kind of fun. Hard to keep up you know, with everything, but, um, we hope you, we've, you know, given you, you know, something to think about more importantly, we hope you've cracked a smile a little bit, or, you know, maybe found a little camaraderie and saying, well, Hey, you know, I'm not alone in what I think or what I believe out there, but you know, at, uh, at the end of the week, we're going to have another game, first game in Memorial stadium of the season. Uh, North Dakota is going to come in and, uh, Nebraska is going to take them on and hopefully, uh, you know, the team fires on all cylinders and it's a game that uh, is exciting and Nebraska fans can, you know, find themselves jumping up and down and cheering. So, um, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, we still have 11 games to play and hopefully we win more um, than we than we lose. That's that's where yeah. I'm at. I wish I could be more optimistic than that right now. So you, you take it one day at a time, Todd. There you go. There you go. 
Okay, that's that's the way we end. Uh, this is Todd and John's Monday Night Therapy signing off. We thank all of you for showing up, and uh, hopefully we'll get better as this thing goes on. Y'all take care. Week.